0: We have completed 24 hours. We have completed 24 hours of having an intention and cultivating that intention. As best we are able. As best we are able. We came here knowing the nature of the retreat, knowing that we had some relationship, some interest, some commitment to this. And each of us have shown up as best we're able to engage in the inquiry that brought us here in the first place. In doing this, there is integrity. We are walking our talk. the version of us that's present now is doing this for the benefit of future versions of us that are yet to arrive, that will benefit the, the, the unfolding that we call ourselves, but is an unfolding of which that identity is somewhat loose, but nonetheless, there's a connection to it one moment to the next, of this unfolding. And as we as we bring the sincerity, the integrity, the dignity of of our practice, then beneficial things are happening here and now. It's not based on some future result. But here and now, beneficial things are happening. We're becoming more true to ourselves. We're learning how to show up. We're also, if we're fortunate, learning Humility and the great, great advantage of humility. So much advantage to humility. So little advantage to claiming. (laughs) Claiming we always have to defend, we're never sure. It may be true now, but it may not be true tomorrow. But this humility of the desire to know, to learn, to develop, to... uh, to free the mind and open the heart, very, very reliable. Very reliable. Don't know mind is the one thing that we can say that we know with absolute confidence. That is so comforting. It's so, uh, uh, it gets us arranged properly, gets us uh, 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 in harmony with, with the moment of the experience in a retreat like this, that's that's not easy, the practice that we're we're all exploring together in this way. And tonight I want to um, take us through uh, an overview of sorts uh, to this whole idea of concentration. We're going to be going into so many different aspects of it in the course of the 10 days. But this is still part of this getting oriented, getting the feel for what this is, and sort of locating it in relation to some of our own experience, possibly, and um, uh, seeing that we have, a, or maybe it'd be better to say, making sure that we that we have a common language, that we're all speaking enough of the same language, so that. When we're giving instruction, you know what certain words mean, and then in the course of the, of the practice meetings, we'll learn more and more how you're experiencing, or understanding, or how you first heard the words. Even that uh, that can, when there's not real communication, we can be off practicing slightly ajar to what's what what's being invited in. So this is part of this tonight. And part of it's just to get us used to this side, this world, which is not a world we hear that much about. And just, we get comfortable in it. And there's gonna be some direct experiencing so that again, as part of the field for this, some direct experiencing parts of this. So uh, a key phrase, relaxed attention. You've already heard this so many times. And you're going to hear it so many more times. Why do we have to say that over and over again? Because it's really hard to do. It's hard to, sometimes to even. What do they mean, relaxed attention? Attention is doing something. It's there's an effort there. I am I'm I'm contracting into an effort. So what do they mean, relaxed attention? They mean just what it, it says that. And so far as possible, while we are directing attention to our chosen object, where we're aiming towards it, making contact, sustaining our attention on it, this vataka vachara, uh, it's, whether it's, those are Pali words that you'll hear more about later, those of you who are new to this, uh, there's, there, there is a, the effort that's involved is is a relaxed effort mentally, so that we're not tightening the mind. The mind's loose. The mind's not tense. Am I going to get there or not? And, you know, it's relaxed mind. It's not. It's not caught into all of this giving you opinion about how well you're doing. And it's we're physically relaxed, so that we're not we're not being brutal with the breath when we're following the breath. We're not we're not forcing the breath, we're not squeezing the breath, we're not jerking, pulling, or pushing the breath, all of which we can do. You know, we're trying to get concentrated, so we'll get concentrated on the breath. So, and maybe not that extreme, but that's that, that kind of a breath, which in yoga is called the Bastrika breath. One would only do that for a short period of time, for certain reasons. One would not do that to one's... Uh, blood pressure and all of this by doing it constantly, but we can in a very subtle way be tightening in on the breath or be physically or pushing it, sort of pushing it into us or or, or pulling it into us. So how can we be just expansive with the breath? Right right now. Like just ask yourself just invite a more relaxed breath. Trust yourself You're not delivering a result, you're inviting, you're being available to discover a more relaxed breath. Thank you. For much of my years of practice, this is one of the ways that I would get concentrated is just through a relaxed breath. I've had various kinds of health challenges in these last, I guess, six years now. And it has has made that relaxed breath more challenging because I'm not breathing as easy. It's it's harder to have a breath now in various ways. And so uh, um, it still will come, but sometimes I have to work I have to kind of like discover it. I can't, it's just not automatic. And I knew how lucky I was, how fortunate I was all those years when I could sit down and there would be that relaxed breath. And it was pleasant because it was relaxed. So easy to stay with it, right? And maybe you have that right right now and you've not really cultivated what you have because you didn't recognize you had it. Or there's this this little bit of, of tensing around it physically, you realize, oh, I am tensing. When he did that little exercise last night, I remember that. That's. I will cultivate that. I will invite this relaxed breath. So relaxing mentally, physically, and emotionally. Emotionally. How, how could it be a problem emotionally? I'm not getting this and everybody else is. We're going to practice from that, <laughs> that mind state, and have relaxed attention. I can't do things, I, da, 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 whatever it is, or, uh, you know, this was a bad choice for me, as a retreat, da, da, da. all this kind of, uh, where, the, where the emotional body is having waves, this emotional capacity of mind, of consciousness, is having waves that are disturbing waves that cause tension. And that, so, that tension is, in contrast, to the, the feeling of relaxation. This is normal. This is dukkha. This is part of the first noble truth. And so we're not, we're not going to always be able to not have those. Sometimes we can recognize it and they will drop away. Eventually they drop away on their own anyway, these emotions that are getting in the way of, of the mind becoming relaxed so that it falls into concentration. And other times what we do is we have to shift and say, I am emotionally stirred up right now. And so I'm going to practice concentration with the, with the emotional stirrings. That's the nature of my practice, the sit, at least this part of the sit. So we cease to object. We invite it to change, but if it doesn't change, then we change how we're relating to it. Could you follow that? Nod heads. If you... Thank you. Yeah, that's and that uh, makes a huge difference with this. So that's relaxed attention. Uh, uh, when Sumedho, Sumedho Ajahn Suchicha says when the mind is relaxed, it, it, it naturally occurs that the mind becomes spacious and the, the settling into the object just happens. So this importance of, of the relaxed mind a phrase that we would we would understand, we would all know, you'd, you'd come into a practice meeting and talk about struggle or the, the what you discovered about relaxed attention and so forth. Because you're deepening your understanding of it, you're deepening your false sense of it, actually. And then this other phrase that we do so much, collecting and unifying the mind. Collecting and unifying. We are collecting the mind's, Uh, natural moving around to different objects, and only touching on them lightly, sometimes switching back and forth quite fast between one, two, three, four, five objects. That's our minds oftentimes. And sometimes that's actually useful to us, other times not so useful, and here not useful. And so we are learning how to... uh, to let the mind be collected in, on one object. Uh, uh, the venerable Nalio refers to it as limiting the breadth of attention. Breath, B-R-E-A-D-T-H, the breadth of attention to a single object. We're, so we and we're nearly our mind's on all these objects. No, we're just. And I say breath, uh, for some of you it may be sound, for some of you it may be the body, for some of you, it may be body breath, where there's this feeling of the body and the breath are one, and that's how you're experiencing it. And then for others, it is breath breath. And it, that will change also during the course of the retreat. And so we're, we're, learning to, uh, we're learning to gather another word for collecting. We're gathering around one experience. It is deliberate, it's deliberate. Oftentimes in our lives, our minds get collected around a single object of experience automatically because it's stimulating to us in some way, either because we have anxiety about it, or because we have lust for it, or we're so infatuated with it, all these different ways. Or sometimes the mind just drops into a, a concentrated state of varying degrees just because that happens in life. So, but this is deliberate, this is because we are practicing. Because we're practicing means we have made a choice. True enough? You won't do it if you don't make a choice. Listen to this, because this is something we fail to recognize over and over again. We, we get caught in our judging mind in part because we lose track of what we're really doing, what would really make us satisfied if we remembered what we were doing. But we, we are often some expected result. And... We forget what we're doing, we forget what we're about, all of us. So it requires choice to make a deliberate move to practice in this way, which means that there is some effort involved. And so it's appropriate that there is a modicum of effort, but it's not that kind of uh, tensing attention, but it's relaxed attention that's making the effort, which means we have to overcome resistance, when we don't want to do this and we sit down, we don't want to do that. We want to, our minds really kind of juicy and filled with fantasy or filled with good planning. And you know, some of us really like good planning, some of us like fantasy, some of us like remembering or all three <laughs> or another. So we, we have to make some effort to uh, begin and to maintain. And oftentimes that means starting over. That we have to start over. We completely forget what we're doing. The mind gets pulled away. We don't notice it's pulled away. We might not notice it's pulled away for three minutes, five minutes. You name the number of minutes. None of that's a problem unless we make it a problem. Because we are committed to practice. We're not committed to results. We're practicing practice. We're not practicing results. So hard to accept that. Maybe half of the room sort of accepted that. Maybe 20% of the room said, Yeah, I see what he means. That's because you've heard me say this a number of times. (laughs) We are practicing practice, we're aligning with our values. This is an intentional practice where we are being deliberate. And why are we making the choice to do this? Because it aligns with our values. Do you see that? Why else are you here? Why else are you here? It's aligning with your values. And therefore, when you're practicing, you are aligning with your values. So this moment here and now is wholesome in and of itself. Forget what happens with it. It's wholesome. Now, when we get all grasping and all that, that's that's our challenge right <laughs> when we get so judgmental about ourselves but the moment itself is wholesome because we're doing we're doing something deliberately that involves having to have renunciation that's requiring giving up things that are that are attractive to our mind to stay here so we're 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 really walking our values in being here but so often you don't take any comfort in that you don't you don't recognize we don't recognize that yeah you know i'm being in the dhamma in the way i want to be in the dhamma i'm making myself available to something i'm aligned with this is wholesome this is onward leading it will bring so many benefits having nothing to do with concentration because you are you're learning how to Uh, line up and be deliberate, be intentional in your life around your values. It enhances that experience if you recognize that in this way. And Sally talked about this wonderful list that she gave us this morning, which I will review if I have time at the end, because I thought it was so well-organized and easily comprehensible relatively. This is all a subtle practice. Uh, The last was the surrender. The surrender. Everything I've been pointing to for the last 15 minutes is about surrendering. You surrender to what your intention is. You, you're not so concerned about, uh, about how it's going. You want to be more skillful, so you're d- using discernment. The venerable tomato is so clear about this, about the difference between a judging mind and a discerning mind. So we're using discernment because we want to be more skillful. But we're not demanding that it be a certain way. We're being available to, to have it be as it is. And we're making our contribution as best we learn how to do this. If we become more skillful, we'll make more of a contribution. But we're surrendering to how it is. If, if my back wasn't hurting today, it would be so much easier. Uh, my back, my lower back itself actually is hurting uh, on this retreat for whatever reason. I would be enjoying these sittings more were that not true. But what does that have to do with anything? You know, it's it's okay to notice that, but to make a story around that, that story serves no purpose whatsoever, and it may not even be a true story. (laughs) Because maybe, you know, if the back's not hurting, then the mind goes off in some, uh, you know, other uh, adventure of some kind. So we want to be careful about making stories, narrative about our experience. We're surrendering to what is. And we we know our practice. We know how to practice. You're going to learn more and more about how to practice. The more times you repeat practice throughout the day, the more you're going to know. That's all we're doing. So, um, paradoxical. When we surrender, it actually empowers relaxed attention. So the surrendering, rather than trying to fix... Allows us to have more relaxed attention, the very thing that we're asking for, rather than uh, going off in our judging mind. As we look at uh, what we're doing in this very large perspective as being Dhamma, as being about freeing the mind and opening the heart. Uh, it gives much more space for us to have relaxed attention. It gives much more of a inner quality to collect and unify the mind around a single object. because we're just doing Dhamma, and this is the this is the means that we're doing. And it's wholesome. And we, it, because we're practicing practice, we can't do it wrong. We can't do it wrong when we're just practicing. Sometimes it goes well, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we remember certain things that help us, and sometimes we forget them. Sometimes they don't work. That's all part of practice. And so this, this, uh, this moving into this way uh, really, really helps us in this larger perspective. It can really take the pressure off uh, uh, we've done this retreat so many years, and people will come in being frustrated and feeling that time's running out on them, or they became too sleepy, too tired, so many uh, different uh, regrets, so many different complaints, whatever it might be. But if, you know, if you're just here practicing, it takes a lot of that pressure off. Being available for the Dhamma, It's complete right there. Am I available to the Dhamma in this moment? In concentration practice, am I available to the Dhamma through doing the techniques I know as best I'm able to do it? And if I'm doing that, spacious. Uh, so we have we, we gather, collect, We unify uh, the mind, and we steadily cultivate this relaxed attention. These three together allow for what I call uh, softening into. This is a phrase that really works for me, but I have to say does not work for everybody, because my physical experience of it is that I'm softening into the object. When there's relaxed attention and it's collected and gathered that I literally soften into, I have much more the felt sense of the breath or any other object if it's, if it's angry mind. If I, if I do the very same thing around angry mind and soften into it, angry mind reveals itself to me. But if I don't, if I don't soften, if I don't relax attention and all those three things, collecting, I, then, then I bounce off I bounce off experience. If you can watch, you will bounce off the breath. You bounce off because you're being with the breath, but but you're not relaxed. And so you kind of touch the breath with your mind in a hard way that's kind of like that, and it bounces. Just see for yourself. You might not call it bouncing. You might call it something else, you know, sliding off, whatever. If we want to get more concentrated, soften into the experience. Just here, just now. So uh, uh, what does it mean that we're, that relaxed attention allows us to, to what? To be resting in the meditation object. We're resting on the breath. We're resting on the arising of hearing. We're resting on the uh, arising of, of the body and whatever uh, of the many forms of it. We're resting, we're, we're resting. That we're, we're meeting the knowing of the breath in this moment in a way that we just rest on the breath. We're not clinging to it. We're not squeezing it. We're not pushing or pulling it. Uh, we're, just, we're just resting on it. And we're going to see what that feels like in just a moment. And as we do this, then, because we're resting on it, it will reveal itself to us more deeply and we will recognize it's it's a two-way thing. The object somehow seems to open up to us, and our mind is available to see it. Um, uh, if you pick up a child in a way that scares the child, what does the child do? Right, it tenses. Well, it will. So uh, most animals, when when you uh, you know if you're in fear and you grab uh, your cat or dog. they will reflect back. They will will close themselves. And so we do this with various parts of ourselves. We harden ourselves. Uh, And again, for good survival reasons, that that's why the nervous system works that way. Not the topic of the evening. So the other thing about when we are resting, the resting feeling itself develops a kind of quiet joy. Just resting on the breath, not... We're not trying to get more concentrated, but we are being available to rest on the breath. And that there's a, it it starts immediately with that resting feeling. The mind starts being more expansive, more settled, in my experience with many, many yogis. And in that way, the mind is becoming more purified temporarily. And the mind is more purified, the more it can stay. With the object for a sustained period of time. So let's do a hand exercise here. We're gonna do a series of these. Do not hurt yourself because you are more concentrated already and therefore you can actually bring more efforting in than you realize. That's one of the things that makes it hard about this retreat. You get more concentrated and if you start uh, practicing tensely because you're so concentrated, you're really intense and maybe not even recognize it. So no harming to ourselves here. So uh, uh, this is your object, the, the bring up one hand and that's your object. And now here's your mind. And the first of these exercises is you're going to really hover over. you really want to you want to be resting on the mind, on the breath but your mind is hovering. It's not actually touching it, but it's hovering. It might occasionally dip down and touch it just for a second, but it's basically hovering. It's not really on the experience. Can you see how tiring this would get to your mind and how you'd get agitated? Get that out of our system. But we have to recognize it to to recognize that when we're doing that. Now, back up, same hand as, as the object, Now, in this instance, you press onto the object. So you press onto the breath. You're pressing your attention. You're going to stick with this thing. You're really going to stick with it. Did you do that at all today? Just for a minute or two, maybe? Where you were actually pressing to try to hold onto the object. Back up. Now, we fall into grasping the object. So we're squeezing it. We're going to hold on. We're not going to miss this moment of breath because we're squeezing, and we know how to squeeze things. We know how to get squeeze a, a lemon or an, an orange, so we're squeezing it. <sighs> Dukkha, Duka. But we will do that. We often do that. That's not. That's not resting. That is not resting. It's very easy to tell. None of those felt like resting, right? And then this, the next one, is this pushing, you, again, you come to your object, and at first it's kind of okay, but then you start pulling on it in some way. Put your hand on it and start pulling it, or push it, and s- see that you're, you're moving, you're messing around with the, uh, the breath doesn't need you messing around with it. It, you know, it breathes fine 24 hours a day without our interfering, and yet we push and pull at our experience in all of these different ways. Well, if the breath was a little more full, if I moved it over here, if I was falling at it here and there, we start pushing and pulling rather than being with, with relaxed attention. And so then last, again, bring up your object and now just rest your hand on it. And stay there for a moment. First note, it's not that tiring. And now fill the palm of your attention, your, your the hand that's on top, that's touching, Feel how it can soften into knowing the back of the other hand. You can feel the skin. You might feel pulse. You might feel the softness of the hand. And now also notice that the hand will open. So you can feel the hand that you're touching open and kind of reveal itself. You might feel the bones of the hand all at once. You might even feel the palm that's underneath somehow. That's the power of resting, of resting, the felt sense. So softening into means to have access to the felt sense, the direct experience of, of the object, the direct experience. It is that same direct experience that is utilized, that is necessary for an insight to arise. That is Vipassana, is that direct knowing. And it requires the same kind of relationship with the arising object, but here we're doing it in concentration. So I really encourage you, you, and use these hand motions. I've taught this to so many people, but I developed them for myself, sitting long retreats, because I wanted wanted to have more, uh, I guess, a a sense that I was aligned in a certain way. You know, I was, uh, because I, you know, I grew up being someone who got things done. You know, I had to in my environment, so I, I could get things done. But but you know, meditation—you're not really getting things done like that. You're letting things open. You're letting them be revealed. So you learn you, and you get to learn about yourself. And again, whatever the degree of concentration we get to experience is nothing compared to the the value of, um, of. Uh, uh, of, in general, having a greater capacity as a human being. Again, we, we're doing everything to free the mind, open the heart. We're very clear on the big picture here, although we will forget. <laughs> okay, then um, uh, this, this word, this word, uh, uh, this word uh, concentration, it has, uh, uh, it's used in a lot of different ways. One of the ways it's used is uh, bringing to a common center. So that we are, we're bringing, so when we're concentrating, we're, we're bringing to a single object, but the dictionary refers to bringing to a common center. So we're doing something that's regular. That's in the dictionary. When you're threading a needle, when you, that moment uh, that, that, um, that uh, you, you, to get the thread into that little eye of the needle, you're really coming to a, a, a common point. I'm now at the age where I'm not sure I could do that. But uh, uh, that's, that's such an easy example in that way that, it's, that it's, we're bringing our attention to a common center. It's got a, it's got a one purpose kind of thing. And our purpose is to stay with the chosen object in a relaxed way. And also if you're having any trouble threading the needle, if you're not relaxed, then you're really never gonna get that needle threaded. And then uh, uh, the second aspect of that, bringing to a common center, is that you're directing the attention of the mental facility to a single object. So again, this is an activity. Braining to a common center is an activity. Directing the attention of our mental capacity to a single object, our breath, that again, that's it's a verb, it's a, it's a doing. And it, this brings us to the understanding that attention is a, like a spotlight. So we're paying attention to the breath. Mindfulness is required to do concentration. We have to be mindful. We have to be mindful of what we're doing or we forget it right? Because when we're not mindful, our mind goes wandering off. So there is a kind of mindfulness. Mindfulness and and uh, uh, attention are not the same thing. They're different words and they're used differently in the text. Yoniso Manasakara is wise attention. Sati is mindfulness. Mindfulness uh, uh, mindfulness utilizes the mind's ability to pay careful attention to what's arising to have constancy of attention on what's arising it's a capacity of the mind this attention and so we are we're learning to cultivate it in this relaxed way the the so the the, the when the when, the, when we're going to the mind, again, we're not hardening because that's why we did all those hand exercises to prove to ourselves how uh, unfortunate that is to us. And it creates restlessness, it creates fretting, and all of these kinds of things that you'll hear about later. And then, uh, uh, so this is, this, is, uh, this is concentration as an activity, as a kind of uh, result, a, pr- a process result, the dictionary says, an increasing an increasing strength or purity. So the mind becomes ever more pure, meaning it's pure from other objects. If we're on the breath, we're resting on the breath, and other objects arise less and less as we get more concentrated. And in fact, uh, uh, that that is one of the great benefits in terms of Practicing vipassana, the mind gets more concentrated, so the hindrances are held at bay. So it's uh, we we utilize this practice for uh, for a mind for uh, sati for for vipassana. No matter how deep we go, we're always utilizing, utilizing concentration in this way. And so the more we get that settled feeling, the better. Uh, When we say one object, you know, rather breath, because this is the concentrated mind in the way that we're going in the ever deeper absorption practice, we're kind of going through a series here. Ajahn Sumedho, the venerable Sumedho, will often uh, point out that there is also a one-pointed concentration that includes everything. And when the mind's in that state, that's quite a mind state in its own right, because it's not entangled, it includes everything, so it's not getting entangled in anything. That, again, is for another time in another retreat. Another definition is to render less dilutable. So, uh, the, mi- the mind state that is arising around concentration is a mind state that's got purity, it's got a common center, and it's not being diluted by all of these things that come up, including the hindrances. But even, even, just it's just it's single pointiness. So a lot of different kinds of dilutedness. Another definition that's there in the dictionary is to have a common center where the mind is resting in the knowing capacity. Actually, this is not the dictionary, this is Philip's definition, (laughs) sorry, (laughs) of having a common center where the mind is resting in the knowing capacity. So we tend to think that when we're concentrating, it's about, about sticking with the object but, in my experience, it's really more about uh knowing that we're that we the that knowing is constant, and it happens to be constant on this object because that's how we're directing it, but we're it's the knowing that doesn't move. so the object that the, the the object has a uh, the breath is a moving object, right? everybody knows that it has a beginning, inhale, beginning, middle end. Maybe there's a pause, and then a, 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 the the birth of the exhale, and it has a duration, and then an ending. So, but then, so that's a moving object. So, where does the stillness come from? Knowing. The knowing stays; it does not change. Knowing is knowing. This oh, this capacity of awareness, which a uh, number of us here. Uh, teach in another retreat, just other ways. But this, this knowing is so constant in this way. And so uh, the, knowing, the knowing is being utilized around this one experience. Some knowing is being released to just know a single object. And the mind is content to do that all on its own. Uh, uh, the venerable Anālaya says that the the, the the three advantages to concentration practice is the mind becomes st- uh, stable and receptive, uh, and it brings and it, the second is it brings intense pleasure and happiness, and this is the Vedna that is unworldly vedana It's not a grasping kind of happiness. It's intrinsic in the nature of mind. This kind of happiness that arises. And then third, he says it brings an inner stability that allows integration and allows, allows us to withstand disturbing affects that arise externally or internally. So there's advantages to this. And and as we as we it helps with equanimity, it helps when uh we're having to deal with and the, all the other Brahmahars around jealousy or Where we, with any things that would get in the way of our our mudita, and on and on and on. So many different ways that this is such a wholesome practice. And and any moment spent in this direction is worthwhile. And a whole day, very worthwhile. A whole retreat, fantastic in that way. And then uh, he says that the function of concentration and mindfulness are different. Uh, but they but they overlap in the way and the, the way they function and they require the mutual presence of each other Because you one there's these arguments about are they two separate things or are they one and so forth and that's that's don't waste your time on that kind of argument they are both have to be together we can't have concentration without mindfulness so don't do get into this thing which sometimes on this retreat people do well i'm still, am I just being mindful I'm not really concentrating no you're doing both act as though and it'll all turn out well <laughs> otherwise you're you're getting into how many angels on the head of the pen since i'm making pen a reference tonight so uh, uh, uh together these bring a depth of attention this, this mindfulness and their concentration together. It's a depth of attention that allows us to penetrate the breath and reach the, the level of contentment of mind, the mind because the mind is so deeply into the experience of the breath that it becomes concentrated. The mind is content. And that's what's of advantage to us. That's what's of advantage to us because at some point, uh, it's not unusual for the breath to drop away but the concentration has not moved a smidge. And more and more we learn how to create that feeling when we're bringing it with the breath. We can have that relationship because we've had experience. And how do you get experience is by sitting here and it going well sometimes and not well sometimes. So, um, uh, uh, He goes on to say that, as I quoted before, about concentration limits the scope of the attention and mindfulness uh, uh, deepens the scope. It deepens it for more reflective purposes, for liberative purposes. We think of concentration as momentary concentration, and in Vipassana practice, uh, uh, in general, there's been various there's various views by various teachers about that. But in general uh, that we teach uh, here at least for most of us, that momentary uh, concentration is can be enough to do practice Vipassana. The second level of concentration is what we call neighborhood or access concentration. And in our vision for this retreat, when Sally and I first started doing this, it was a vision to have our community as a whole gain more uh, 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 capacity, more skill in establishing uh, neighborhood concentration. That is defined by the hindrances, which you'll hear more about being held at bay. And in the course of this retreat, whether you recognize it or not, you will have you will have periods where the mind, the hindrances are at bay. We can sometimes uh, uh, we can we can miss the experience even though we're having it. We've had the we've had the we've we've had the event, but missed the experience. So this is this that we them that um, that they can be. The hindrances at bay can be steady and like go on for a long time. They can be very short or they can be fluctuating in and out. There's all this whole range and what someone would call uh, access or uh, various people may have, various teachers may have various definitions of that. Uh, that 's not really our concern this evening. Our concern is to recognize that that the hindrances that our mind the turmoil of our mind can be held at bay and when I say held at bay, they may not arise at all or they arise, and we get to see them for what they are and see we have choice around them we 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 have insight we have insight, so they arise, but they don 't so overwhelm us that we can 't have 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 Insight. That's that's the importance. And the third is what uh, the level of concentration that is absorption, where the mind is completely absorbed. And these, this level of concentration is called in this tradition jhanas. And there's four uh, four regular jhanas, four regular uh, fine material jhanas, where the mind is ever more uh, refined for refined states of mind might be a, a more comprehensible way to say that. So it's ever more it's ever more refined. And um, uh, that, that is not the purpose of this retreat. It may happen that someone drops in in a way that one starts to feel that and we'll work with that. But a, uh, a minimum of a month is what we recommend if you're really wanting to do jhana practice But everything you're doing here can so prepare you for that practice. And again, you know, people do occasion, you know, kind of fall into that range. But this, uh, a very strong access concentration will serve your Vipassana so much, serve your daily life in all of these different ways, and serve your sense of well-being and... um, we can all, we we can all aspire to that, and it it may be not on this retreat, but we can aspire to it in a general way. And how do we get there? We 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 sit and practice, and we don't get there till we do. We we can't say, oh, okay, I'm not going to access concentration. We can't do that. But we and you can easily prove that to yourself right now if you want. to. <laughs> But we can create the conditions in which it's more likely that excess concentration will be uh, a- attained. Attained, not achieved, but attained. There's a uh, that it's um, that it will it arises because the conditions were right that it arises. And a lot of that's conditions within uh, us about our attitudes, the way our minds. Uh, uh, being reactive versus not reactive, when it's just being responsive, when it is surrendering, and so forth. And uh, uh, yeah, again, Ajahn Sujito says when relaxed concentration occurs, the mind is spontaneous and and uh, settled. The joy of embodied pleasure naturally arises. Uh, I've heard this so many times from so many yogis. Just this, this, uh, it's, it's an embodied joy. It's the natural joy of the mind. The mind has a natural joyousness that's not based on conditions. That actually is the freedom of the Buddha. That's the happiness of the Buddha, is a, a happiness, a, a sense of well-being, not based on conditions, not based on favorable conditions. And it is a natural state of the mind, a natural capacity of the mind that gets uncovered by our practice. One way to look at it, there's other ways to describe that. Uh, In uh, various traditions, there's this teaching that first, there's uh, you, or I could say me, or we, and the object, and they're separate. And then in concentration practice, we become one with that object. So, what's there is this this object, but there is this consciousness. That's, there's a subjective knowing of that object. So that there's a self knowing that object, and then it goes a step further into deepening, and there's only the object but there's still the recognition there is the object, even though now you're you're not there so much, but there's still the recognition of the object. And then the fourth is there is no object. Empty, empty, empty. Uh, And the ox herding pictures uh, in the the Zen tradition, they capture this with these illustrations that are quite beautiful. sooner or later in one of these retreats, I should bring them in and show you. Uh, um, Maybe next year, who knows? (laughs) So uh, um, uh, it's enough as we start out that the breath is there and we're there. That's enough. That's enough. As you drop in at points it may be you are one with the object and you'll know it and then go on from there but this that it, it is uh we we're not trying to leap to the end where we're we're doing the gradual path in this way so that we are one with that object we become we we can be there with the we're there with the object. And it's separate, but then we become one with it. We really become concentrated. So there's, the mind's not going anywhere else. We're just there on, with the object. We're there, but we're there with the object. It's not anywhere else. We're there with the breath. Very wholesome. Uh, uh, and again, I would have you I'd have you notice uh, when the mind is content. I would really have you notice that. So often, the mind gets content for a brief moment. It's it's moving towards con- being contented, if you like, or it's kind of sort of sparkling with contentment. But we're so busy doing, we miss it. We miss it. Just like with the breath, or that, that relaxed attention on the breath, I talked about, about well, that was one of the ways I come into concentration in my practice over the decades. Another way is through uh, where I'm not necessarily even trying to get concentrated. I get concentrated because I'm in this kind of non-objecting. I'm just present. And I notice, oh, the mind's contented. And I take that contented mind as my object. And I just keep going in. And I didn't say, okay, now I'm going to make my mind contented. I was it just it just was contented, but I noticed it, and I encourage that for you. A third way is like when I was talking about at, at uh, instructions for uh, the breath and eating practice, uh, that when we when we have gratitude, gratitude brings makes the mind content, and and uh, when you uh, we may do that as one of our practices here. And when the mind becomes content, then it becomes. Uh, concentrate, it's easy to move in there. So any kind of appreciation, nature, uh, that you can get joyous being out in nature, come in here and sit down and still be in appreciation of that and notice the, the quality of mind and stay with that quality of mind. You'll hear many, many other things to do in that way. Uh, I'll just mention quickly, uh, when you, if there's if feelings of satisfaction, That feeling of that you you don't know why you're satisfied. You don't have to investigate. There's none of that. Oh, there's satisfaction here. Hmm. Stay with that feeling of satisfaction, and it can also often take you in. Another one like this is not outward going. The mind's you just realize. Oh, I'm actually not thinking about anything particularly. I'm just I'm just here. The mind's not going to anything let that feeling, just rest in that feeling. Don't try to control it. You're not driving that car. <laughs> okay. And then that, that leads us here in our last few minutes here, just to mention quickly uh, the, the, the factors that Sally did as a kind of list this morning. And you can see that, uh, maybe see them in this larger context of concentration now. She began with relaxation, relaxation of body and mind. This is this necessary for relaxed attention that we've been talking so much about. And uh, expectations are the enemy of relaxation. Expectations. Expectations of results or expectations of what a warrior you are in your practice. All of that. Expectations of what you should be able to do, should is always an enemy. And then, so the relaxation, uh, which then uh, helps bring us into contentment, and and the, the, that sense of well-being, of happiness. And again, uh, that contentment, as I said, is easily overlooked. So please be open to that. And then the the third one was one of continuity, where there's steadiness of attention. And when I was talking about when you get up, from you, When the bell rings, you pause for a moment. You bring your attention to that you're in a transition. And you know you're cultivating a, a, a coherence at your a continuity of mind. So as you're aware of yourself. You, not that easy to do to stay aware of ourselves when we're getting up. And that, but if you miss that, now you're standing. So you can come back now and continue. And then you're walking in that attention there. If when you go through the door, you know going through a threshold. You know that you're, the continuity is there. So you, how do you know you how do you know that you're having continuity? Because you recognize what's true right now. Otherwise, you walk through that door and you didn't notice you're walking through a door, right? So, and and that's that's throughout our day, brushing teeth, brushing the teeth feels like this, and so forth. So that continuity, and we're 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 inviting knowing more of it. We're not we're not being fierce. Just, tiring. Just uh, enjoy more. Enjoy the continuity. What does it feel like to, to, to experience continuity? I'm available to feelings of continuity. That sort of feeling. And then her fourth one, after relaxation and contentment and continuity, is balanced effort. And that is, we do have to apply ourselves some, but not that much. But there is a balanced effort and not efforting. And we each have to find our own, and it varies depending on what's going on when we sit down or we're doing the walk-in meditation. So, or even walking around continuity, how much effort we, we, we learn and we're, we're not going to be perfect and we're going to do too much, too little, do both in the same five-minute period, all of that. That's why it's practice and that's why we're practicing practice. There will be a quiz on that at the end of this retreat. And then uh, the fifth is this calm, uh, stillness, and silence. They were developing a sense of calm, of stillness. As I mentioned earlier, deliberately, this knowing is quite still. So the knowing the breath, the breath is moving, but that which knows is unmoving. And then simplicity, not making a whole construct out of this, that you're trying to remember 24 things and all this. You're going with the feel of it, the spelt sense of it, the feel of it. You're relaxing into it. And you try different things, but you're you're not trying to hold on to all that. There's not a construct here. You're just showing up in the moment, and uh, continuity on an object. And then surrender, as I talked about uh, earlier. This beautiful practice of surrender. Let go, let go, let go. There you are practicing away, and you're simultaneously letting go. Right there, one pointed. You're you're doing this, you're aiming towards it, you're sustaining the attention on it and you're letting go at the same time any attachment any clinging any any little secret agendas just here just now let's sit for a moment Can you let go into this moment of just being with the breath, resting attention on the breath here and now? No demands. Relaxed attention. Soften into just like with the hand exercise, intimately know this breath. If you're leaning stop leaning. If you're pulling away, cease to pull away. Just be with. Know you're being with. Being with what? This inhale, this exhale. Here, now. So it's time for continuity practice, fold you, <laughs> in that we are going to practice as, as getting up and, and leaving and with continuity, and then the encouragement is for walking practice, even if you're not returning for the last sit, to give yourself at least a brief period of walking, so that that. Uh, your whole day of practice and these reflections have a chance to settle in. You've had recognitions, but if you don't give yourself a chance for the recognitions to settle in, because you get busy getting ready for bed, how does it get transferred from short-term to long-term memory? How does it become the felt sense? So we're, we're not casual about this. We're not doing this. There's many positive reasons about even for good sleep to walk for a few minutes. And if you can't walk doing some other, because of some limitation right now, doing, doing arm movement, or if you sway the body, whatever it is would be appropriate for you. We use walking as a generic catch-all phrase. And then, uh, and then you're welcome to come back for the last sit of the evening, and there will be some chanting of some sort here, maybe from one of those three sheets or maybe something different, but we'll come back and, um, uh, and then we'll end promptly. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.